Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Thursday, February 6th, 2020. My name is Jay Zawoski. Lockdown Blackhawks is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. The Blackhawks lose in overtime to the Boston Bruins. And I'm just warning you, the game just ended as I'm recording this. And I have some things to say about this game. First, let me blow off some steam and tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. The voicemail, 708-653-0572. Email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. Follow my personal account at jayzawoski670 on Twitter. The show account at LO underscore Blackhawks on Twitter. And the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast at MadhousePod on Twitter. That's my other Hawks podcast, so make sure you check that out. Let me take a deep breath here. I'm qualifying what I'm about to do and say with a couple things first. The Hawks sucked in the first period. And we talked on yesterday's podcast about how the Boston Bruins were one of the best teams in the league and the Blackhawks paid them too much respect in the first part of this game. They were timid. They were passive. They were terrified to make mistakes. And in the process, that fear caused them to commit more mistakes. Okay? They did not force the action at all. They played scared. That's not what a playoff team does. And if this team feels like they're a playoff team, they're going to have to learn that at some point, they're going to have to take the attack to the opponent. It's in a damn theme song. Take the attack, Blackhawks. And I get it. You're at home. It's a huge game. You don't want to lose. Another thing, yesterday, I said, if the Hawks get a point against the Boston Bruins, I'll consider it a win. So I'm doing that. They took a point. It's a good thing, okay, against the best team in hockey, in my opinion. Now, those of you that have listened to me on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast or on 670 The Score, or if you're new to Lockdown Blackhawks, I think I can probably count on one hand how many times I've blamed referees for what's gone wrong in a game. But tonight's game was absolutely inexcusable from the referees the Boston Bruins got away with countless trips boards high sticks roughs over and over again the reason Ryan Carpenter got a 10-minute misconduct was because they got uh, sticked in the face on a follow-through that didn't that went unseen how many boarding calls could have been called in the game Connor Murphy goes into the board hard Adam Boquist goes into the boards hard. Boquist, by the way, injured in the game. Didn't play for most of it. The good news for him is the Hawks have three days off now before they play again, so hopefully he can nurse whatever injury he has and be ready to go Sunday against Winnipeg. Nylander gets called for a penalty, and yeah, Pasternak gets gets called for embellishment. Nylander's trying to find the puck, and Pasternak falls on his stick. After everything the referees let go in this game, after all the stuff they went uncalled, they call that Alex Newlander trying to find the puck at his feet in the offensive zone. Pasternak trips on his state and his stick, and that's a trip. Fine, it's a trip. It is. I I don't question that. But with all the stuff they let go throughout the course of the game, that's the one they're going to call at that moment of the game. Ridiculous. And the Drake Kajula play was absolutely absurd. And maybe, just maybe, Olimata made a hand pass there. And that is a play you blow dead. However, 
even in the slowest replay they showed on NBC Sportsnet, the slowest replay they showed, it was the most subtle of hand passes. It was not an advance, and he he st- and even still, the puck hit his stick after he touched it with his hand, which is legal and which should not result in a whistle. Drake Kajula looks like he wins the game with just over a minute left to go. But no, the goals waved off. The Hawks get to overtime, and we're going to get to that too, because that power play effort sucked. You got a four and three. You got a four and three power play in overtime that you do nothing with, except skate around the perimeter, fumble the puck, skate into people. Brutal, and the Hawks deserve some blame for that, and they're going to get it in this podcast. I promise you that. Then, after the power play. As McAvoy is going to score the game-winning goal, a Blackhawks a Blackhawks player gets interfered with at the blue line. He's trying to get it back, trying to defend, and a Bruin just stands him up and and doesn't allow him into the zone. Another one goes uncalled, and that's the end of the game. That was an inexcusable refereeing performance. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did the Hawks deserve to win that game? Absolutely not. So it's a good thing they got the point. But there's been a lot of games this year they've deserved to win and haven't. And you like to see that even out. They had this game won. Despite the way the game started, despite it went the way it went, for 59 minutes or 58 minutes, the Hawks were about to skate away with two points against the best team in the league when they're just out of the playoff race. Instead, the game goes to overtime. Another call is not made in a crucial moment. And the Hawks lose the game in the extra point. So instead of being one point out of the playoffs, they're two points out of the playoffs. Which is one more than yesterday. That's good, right? Two points out is good. But damn, these things slip away. And it's extra frustrating when you you had overcome everything that you had done wrong in the beginning of the game. And you got that game-tying goal from a hustle play, a great shot from Drake Kajula, and the tickiest of ticky-tack plays ends the play in a huge moment, in a huge game. The referees make themselves a story, and to me that's inexcusable, and I want to hear the league say something about it because that is abysmal refereeing, absolutely garbage. Man, that it's... It's so bad, and I know I'm fired up, and I know the game just ended, and maybe if I sleep on it, I'll feel better about it, but I don't think so. And again, if you've heard me over the years, you know I'm not a blame-the-referees guy. I'm not a blame-the-umpire guy, whatever. I'm just not. Humans make mistakes. And if that Kajula play had been the only mistake of the night, fine. Oh, here's the other one, by the way. As the third period expires, Kirby Dock is standing in front of the net, and gets cross-checked hard in the back, right in front of the net as time expires, gets knocked to the ice, no call. Okay. That game was nationally televised. That was NBC Sportsnet big Wednesday night hockey game that they promote more than anything until the weekend games begin later in the season. That was your display in front of the, what, probably a couple thousand people that were watching, but still. (sighs) What an embarrassment. What an embarrassment. 
And look, we should be talking about how the Hawks came out flat. And again, I'm going to. We're going to postpone pluses and minuses until the last segment of the show because I've got a lot more to say about this game. But to have the referees be the reason that this game ended the way it did, that's that's a real shame. It is Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Forgot to mention this at the start of the show. Make sure if you're a listener to the podcast, you subscribe to the podcast. Turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode drops. Pro tip, I set the I set the podcast to post every morning at 5 a.m. Central so those East Coasters that are up early and want to listen can get it at 6 a.m. It's ready to go. But that way you're reminded every day to check on Lockdown Blackhawks. Check it out. Listen to the latest episode. I'm here for you five days a week, so I'd appreciate it if you were there for me two or three or four times a week. That'd be really great and would go a long way in supporting the podcast. All right, now that I've blasted the referees, let's get to the game because it matters. And yes, the referees were a story, but there's a lot of things aside from the referees that deserve attention. Robin Leonard played really, really well in this game. Yes, the goal he gave up was a little bit soft. I thought Brian Boucher actually did a really terrific job of showing what happened on that goal. You saw that Leonard sort of opened up the five hole when he took the stick away, anticipating the pass, and that allowed the puck to go right through his legs. That was really good analysis by Boucher. I think he's pretty good. He's uh, he's gotten to be a pretty decent analyst. First period, though, I was getting a little bit irritated with Leonard, who just kept wanting to move the puck along. And he put Duncan Keith in a really bad spot at one point, passing the puck to him behind the net when he was pressured, and it led to a scoring chance. You saw Keith and uh, Leonard discuss it after the play. Keith had a tough game last night as well. I think that he has had better games, of course. 26-40 of ice time, four giveaways. You never want to see that. You don't. And I think for the second game in a row, Patrick Kane was kind of a non-factor. Yes, he picked up an assist on the Debrinket goal, which is great. Starting a new point streak, I'm sure. His 41st assist of the season. But only one shot on goal for Patrick Kane is not enough. Yeah, he had three more shot attempts and another missed shot. But this is two games in a row now where he's been sort of shut down and frustrated by the opponent. I'm not going to go as far as saying, like, the book's out. Everyone knows how to stop Patrick Kane. Obviously, that's not true. But it just shows you how important he is to their success. If he's not driving offense, there's not a lot of other guys on the team that can do it. So I was not super pleased with his performance. I thought Debrinkit uh, played well, scored a goal, three shots on goal, hit a post. Um, So it's good to see him sort of getting those chances again. Hopefully they start going in for him. Maybe this goal that he scored last night will be uh, the catalyst that gets him moving a little bit. Even the crew was was sort of admitting it themselves that, you know, Debrinkin hasn't had a great year. But just overall, I mentioned it in the first segment briefly. The first half of the last two games has been the Hawks in this, like, feeling out process. And last night against Minnesota, I gave them some credit, and they deserve some credit, the Wild did, for playing a really solid road game at home. That's not easy to do. And they focused on shutting down Patrick Kane and and the rest of the Hawks offense with a stifling forecheck and all those things. 
and look, the Bruins are a hell of a lot more talented than the Blackhawks are. There's no doubt about that. Like I've said several times now, to me, they're the best team in the league. But the Hawks come out of this game scared, not ready to go. And maybe they were ready to go, but you could see how intimidated they were. And it's hard for me to believe that a team with this much um, success, with this many long cup runs, with three Stanley Cup championships, with two more conference finals under their belts that they didn't win the cup in, they can't be intimidated by the moment. They can't be feeling the pressure of trying to get into the playoffs. That's why you have these veteran players here is they've been through the battles. They've been through the wars. They know what it takes and that the moment should not get too big for them. But isn't that how it felt in this game? Yeah, the Bruins played well, but it's not like they were just blitzing the Hawks and they couldn't keep up with them. The Hawks, just like the game against Minnesota, spent so much of the game on the periphery trying to make that perfect pass or trying to find that lane to shoot through. How many times do we see Blackhawks players skate into each other? I don't know. There's something wacky going on with the system right now. I don't know if it's mental for the Hawks, just knowing that every game is basically a playoff game from here on out. If it's something with the system that's changed that's a little bit confusing. But if they look this way against Winnipeg and against Edmonton, then it's something to worry about because, look, it's one thing to give the Wild credit for stifling defense. Great. It's another thing to do it two nights in a row. And, yes, it's the Bruins, like I said. But they just they looked intimidated, and they looked terrified to make a mistake. That's not a winning formula. You cannot play prevent defense for an entire game and win. And it's a miracle that the Hawks got out of that first period tied. Outshot 16-5 to in the first period. 11-8 in the second, 11-9 in the third. So at no point did the Hawks hold a shot advantage in the game. I know these games are important. I get it. I know they are. And the Hawks know that too. I have no doubt in my mind. But the engagement level has to be there. They've got to take the attack to people. They've got highly offensive-minded players. Kane, Taves, Saad, Dabrinkit, Strom, Doc. All these guys are solid offensive players. Many of them elite offensive players. The Bruins should be worried about them, not the other way around. I didn't like the way the Hawks played so passively last night against the Bruins. It was very frustrating. And look, if they play the first period like they played the second and third, especially the third, they're in way better shape. And they showed a stat as the second period was beginning in that game, by the way, how bad the Hawks are in the second traditionally. Minus 19 in second period goal scoring. That's real bad. They're plus in goal differential in the first and third this year. Minus 19 in the second. Today they broke even in the second period. Both goals of the game were scored in the second. But man, this one is really frustrating. And if they miss the playoffs by one point, there's a lot of reasons they can look back at this game in frustration and say what might have been, right? 
if the referees do their jobs, if they do their own jobs, it's a different story, isn't it? This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training, amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. Meet the players and get autographs before games. Check out amazing restaurants and bars nearby, including tons of craft breweries like Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, and Goldwater Brewing Company. Arizona is known for its incredible landscapes and thrilling outdoor adventures. Hiking, biking, jeep tours, hot air balloons, skydiving, jet skiing, or just taking in a sunset, no matter what you love to do, Arizona has you covered. Bringing the kids along to spring training, Arizona is a fantastic destination for families. Plan your spring training getaway at visit arizona.com slash spring training. That's visit arizona.com slash spring training. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Time to go over the pluses and minuses of last night's game, the 2-1 overtime loss to the Boston Bruins. But before we sound the hip-hop air horn and blow the prices right, wrong answer button, uh, a couple news and notes that are just sort of seeping in as I'm recording this podcast. Jonathan Taves says that the referee admitted he made a mistake on the hand pass call that negated Drake Kajula's goal. <sighs> so there's an acknowledgement that the ref blew it. Some good news? You want some good news? I've got some goodish news. Jeremy Cowton does not seem to believe that Adam Boquist's injury will be a long-term in- issue. Um, so not a serious thing. Nothing that's going to keep him out for any extended period of time. Not sure of the status. They said they'll know more in the coming days, but it looks like it could be a possibility for Boquist to play Sunday against Winnipeg, if not maybe Tuesday or Wednesday against Edmonton or Vancouver. So that's good news. And maybe now the Nick Sealer people can see Nick Sealer if he's not going to play one of these games, Boquist. Uh, Cowton had another comment. This, again, these are coming in as I'm doing the podcast. Uh, Cowton says about the bad calls. He says it's done. Obviously, you have a conversation with the referee at the time. And they know how we feel. We're not happy, of course, but we've got to prepare for the next one. That's fine. Uh, Ryan, uh, Jeremy Cowton on the Carpenter misconduct. He says he got cross-checked in the face on the face-off and wasn't happy about it. So, dot, dot, dot. So, there you go. Jeremy Cowton uh, will not be a guy, despite Mike Milbury's suggestion in the first intermission, that he flip over a table. Uh, or, no, he said a smash a water cooler. I don't think Jeremy Cowton's ever going to do that. It's not in his personality uh, if I was a player of his and he did that, I would say this is clearly some sort of gimmick, and it w- I think that would sort of backfire. So uh, he's saying the right things. He's standing up for his players, and to hear the referee admit that they made a mistake is very, very frustrating. By the way, little tease for tomorrow's podcast. Uh, talking to a couple sources around the league, I've got a little bit of insight on how the Blackhawks might handle the trade deadline. I'm going to hold that information until tomorrow, that's right, you're going to have to wait till Friday to get that news for me unless you bother me or send me money. No, I'm just kidding. Don't send me money, <laughs> but I'll share the information on Friday. It's nothing earth-shattering, so don't go running around. It's nothing crazy, but it's just sort of a confirmation of, of probably how we think things are going to go. So don't miss tomorrow's Lockdown Blackhawks. All right, with that, let's get to the pluses and minuses of the game, starting with the pluses. <laughs> First plus of the game, of course, goes to Robin Leonard. 
who kept the Blackhawks in the game while they were waking up during the first half of the game, stopped 38 of 40. Bruins shots on goal. Looking at the advanced stats here, 18 high danger scoring chances for the Boston Bruins. Uh, the Hawks uh, had nine of their own, but Robin Leonard was tremendous. Yes, the one goal he gave up in regulation, he would probably want back, but those things are going to happen. He was absolutely phenomenal. Right after he gave up that goal, he had a uh, a moment where he probably made three or four saves at once, so made up for that bad goal almost immediately. Uh, so really solid game. Robin Leonard is my number one star of the game. Want to give another plus to Alex Dabrinkit for getting on the score sheet Almost scoring again, three shots on goal, one goal, 14.43 of ice time. Want to see him get things back on track, and maybe, just maybe, this goal will sort of boost him up. Maybe just need to get the monkey off his back a little bit. Want to give credit to Kirby Doc, who extended his point streak last night against the Boston Bruins, picking up an assist. He also had a really nice drive to the net. Uh, where he almost got a scoring chance again. I think that late scoring chance could have been a penalty shot. It was a penalty, but it could have been a penalty shot. That said, Doc's got to he's got to make a better decision shooting the puck there. He stick handled himself way in close, still got a shot off. When you're within five, seven feet of the goalie, just put the shot on that. You don't have to deke everybody out of their shorts. These are things he will learn as the season goes on. By the way, I mentioned his scoring streak. Now at five games in a row, he's got six points in his last five games. So as we mentioned, over the last, you know, during the bye week and those sort of things, we said his game's coming around. Next step is for the points to come. Six points in his last five games. That's really, really, really a good sign for Kirby Doc. And he will learn these lessons. That's the benefit of him being here as an 18-year-old, as a 19-year-old. What's going to work? What's not? in the NHL and he's learning those lessons. He's trying to do those uh, crazy deeks less often, almost pulled one off the other night against Minnesota, had a nice rush today against the Bruins two actually. So the points are coming. They're here. So hopefully you can just keep compiling points. Uh, I think he's done a really good job lately and uh, pretty pleased with his progress of late on the season, seven goals, nine assists for 16 points. So Kirby doc, and, that, of course, that includes six points in his last five games. So that's a tough pace to maintain, but he's doing a heck of a job. Now let's get to the minuses. Earlier I mentioned Patrick Kane not being much of a factor. I think the same thing can be said for Jonathan Taves. Uh, you're, we're seeing that frustration set in again where he's sort of losing his temper on the ice, and that's not good. This guy needs to maintain his composure. We've seen what's happened historically. When Jonathan Taves gets frustrated and when it starts to show on the ice, he becomes sort of ineffective. Remember, it took Brent Seabrook going into penalty box in 2013 and screwing his head on for him for him to get back in the series and become a factor again. He's got to get over the frustration. 20 minutes and 30 seconds of ice time, two shots on goal. He had three more shots that missed. He was excellent at the faceoff dot 115 and lost nine. That's a 63% rate. So good for him there. He's always pretty reliable at the dot, but he's got to be more of a factor. Another minus for me, team-wide, missing the net with shots. 14 Blackhawk shot attempts missed the net. Many of them in close. 
if you get if your scoring chances are limited, you've got to do your best to get him on net. And yes, you don't want to shoot the puck in the chest of the goalie. I understand that. You're trying to aim your shot. You're trying to be accurate with your shot. That's fine. That's true. I understand that. But when you get these opportunities to get a scoring chance, you've got to get the puck on net. 14 missed shots is too many. And when you look at the shot attempts for the game, the Bruins had 57 shot attempts. The Hawks had 37. The Bruins missed 10 shots on goal. The Blackhawks missed 14. That's all you need to know. And that's been kind of a problem of theirs for a long time. It's kind of a Duncan Keith staple, actually, is to shoot the puck five feet wide, hoping for a tip or whatever. Get the puck on net. And I think that's just a philosophy in general that the Hawks need to start using all the time. And especially lately, the last two games, shoot the puck. You've got a chance to shoot the puck. Shoot the puck. That extra pass is not going to work. Look how goals are scored in this league. Very rarely are they highlight real goals. Get the puck on net, hope for rebound, create a screen, hope for deflection. That's the way your goals are going to be scored. Look at Alex Dabrinkit's goal last night. Finds a rebound right in front and just pokes it past Halak. The two goals against the Minnesota Wild on Tuesday. Two knuckle pucks. One from Adam Bocas from the point, the other from along the boards from Olimata. Little flip shots that when you saw them attempted, didn't look like much going to the net, did they? They both found the back of the net. Simplify. Simplify the game. And, and when I say simplify, I don't mean not attack, but just sharp passes, shots on goal, play for rebounds, go for screens, get traffic in front. It is a very simple formula to play winning hockey. It has been talked about since the inception of the game. Chris passes, pucks on net, traffic in front. That's a winning formula. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Blackhawks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, I've got some information on the trade deadline I will share on Friday's podcast. But until then, have a great rest of your Thursday. We will talk to you Friday morning. Hopefully you had no trouble, no problems getting to work. But look, if you're stuck in traffic and you just wrapped up the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, maybe check out the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Maybe you'll like that too. Who knows? Thanks for listening, though. Lockdown Blackhawks is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. We will talk to you on Friday morning. Thanks for listening.